Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Shout out to everybody who came out to our Smart Funny and Black show in Boston this week. It was absolutely incredible. It was our first show since the pandemic, and you all did not disappoint. We were turned up from the beginning to the end. Thank you to everybody who came out and made us feel welcome back on the stage. Now we will be heading over to New York City for the New York Comedy Festival, November 12th at the Apollo. So if you haven't gotten your tickets to Smart Funny and Black in New York on November 12th, make sure you go and get them. We are trying to sell this bitch out. We back, baby, and it's time to get y'all back into Smart, Funny, and Black. And while we're on the topic of Smart, Funny, and Black, make sure you check out our Patreon for exclusive content, bonus materials, all that good stuff, because you know what? We felt like we needed to give you all more. It wasn't just enough to give you a podcast. It wasn't just enough to give you Instagram. We want to give you more exclusive content from yours truly, all in the Smart, Funny, and Black space. So make sure you go to P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com backslash Smart, Funny, and Black, and Join us and get into the goodness that we got going for you. Now let's get into this episode. Small doses. Self-help from the hip. Small doses. We're talking that shit. Small doses. And keeping it real. Small doses. With me and Nancy. It's so funky. <laughs> okay, I'm here. I'm ready. Folks, he's here. He's ready. The question is, you're here, but are you ready? We have a fabulous guest today. And when I say fabulous, that's like a word that means multiple things, multiple layers for this person, because it's not just fabulous in terms of like, oh, I like their disposition, but it's fabulous in terms of like, they're giving you fab. Like their hair is giving you fab. The thickness of the beard is giving you fab. The style is giving you fab. It's it's, it's a whole thing. And I have just uh, stepped off of his podcast, uh, Getting Curious with Jonathan Van Ness, and he has stepped into small doses. And so like, we just like, yeah, like, (laughs) boom, boom. He stepped in the room. JVN. I love it in here. Your podcast room is beautiful. (laughs) I love it in here. The seats are cushy. The temperature is perfect. And I'm so excited to be on your podcast. I cannot literally stand it. We have literally been talking about this for years. And so what happened was originally when I tried to get you on the podcast, you had just like blown the fuck up. Like the first season of Queer Eye had happened and you were like, I'm going to try and get a coordinator to coordinate it. And the coordinator was like, you have to come to where we are. I don't know where you were at the time, but I like couldn't get there. And I was like, you know what? When it's time, it will happen. It will happen. I think you were in London. Like you were just, you were just set and then you were hot to try. And I was like, this is a beautiful thing because I met JVN when he had a show called Gay of Thrones. And we literally on the show would like break down Game of Thrones while he like plays in your hair and does your hair. And anyone who knows anything about me knows I'm obsessed with Game of Thrones. So this was just such a beautiful opportunity. And we have been cool ever since. But we are also both obsessed with gymnastics. And so that became also a through line. But I want to know, because I don't know if I've ever asked you this, but like, how did you get obsessed with gymnastics? 
Oh, yeah, that's a really good question. I also just realized that we never got to talk about the In the Game of Thrones. Um, so <gasps> I got obsessed with gymnastics. Wait, do we need to, like... I don't need to launch into a gymnastics. Well, let me just did say I bring this, up a bad thing before? This episode, yeah. this episode is supposed to be side effects of drama because, listen, JAPN had talked about, like, you know, how he manages drama. We have a lot of drama to talk about. We have gymnastics drama to talk about. We have celebrity, like, being a public... I don't like the word celebrity, but being a public person drama to talk about. And then also, you had talked about, like, how I have my boo, but now you had also said, you know, you're married and you're, like, in love. And I want to hear about how that has also... <laughs> Yes, yeah, show us all how that has also aided in your process because I also feel like sometimes when you've been like a very independent person, it almost feels like if you like claim the love and like how it's brought like a piece to you, then it can feel like you're like weak and that's not the case. That's not the case. Like, I definitely feel like some people have looked at me like, oh, so now it's all about you get them. And it's like, no, it's not all about, but I'm not going to like discount the fact that like, it's been very helpful that this nice person is here all the goddamn time. Um, so we will get to all the things, but when it comes to the gymnastics of things, Jonathan had just asked me on his podcast, who my top three favorite gymnasts are. I'll go from three. Number three, I would say Dominique Dawes. Mm, solid. Dominique Dawes. Number two, it's cliche, but I really love Simone. I mean, I, I genuinely, lo- I mean, I just, I love Simone. My number one gymnast of all time is Lavinia Milosevic of Romania. And listen, Lavinia Milosevic is just a movement. And Lavinia was our 1992 Barcelona floor champion. She got a 10 on the floor. She was also, I want to say, silver medalist in the all around in 1992. She led the Romanian team to several gold medal, team gold medals. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Amanda. I can't let you, I can't let you mess up like that. Uh, Is it Shannon Miller. No, Shannon Miller was second. Oh my and, God, you're so right. Shannon had the silver behind Titanic You are so, yeah, thank you. Yeah. I stand very strongly corrected. <gasps> I knew that you knew it in there. I knew that you knew it. I knew you knew it. It wasn't a mistake. That wasn't a mistake. For the that record, Shannon should have won. Shannon should have won. You said For the it. record, because Tatiana's pike down on her full twist in your should not have scored higher than Shannon's full twist in your which was a perfect Laid full twist in your to, to the gods and should have gotten the 10. I, yeah. I, you're right. For something I'm so like, I literally, you talk about chills all the time. Now I have chills because that was such an error. I can't even, make, I feel so ashamed. I honestly, man, I don't feel like that was an error on your part. I feel like you literally are going through a move. You're doing a lot right now. I feel like you, <laughs> you know, you know in your brain what it was. You just misspoke. And that's like different than like being misinformed. You like just had one little moment. I had a sometimes, okay. Yeah, sometimes I forget which years that Michelle which. Kwan won her world championships, and it really like I, I like it makes yes, you question like my humanity. Yeah, but mm-hmm. but I know what it is. I know what it is. Obviously, 96, 98, 2000, <laughs> 2001, 2003. But sometimes I get fucked up, and I don't know all of it right at the now top. Now I'm gonna go back down a Michelle Kwan rabbit hole and the best part of Michelle Kwan skating was actually Dick. Oh Dick Button. Dick, yes Dick you better Dick Button. Yes. Dick Button's excitement every oh, time. This is just oh. beautiful. Oh, oh look at that motion. Oh, oh, oh. all these spirals. Can't remember which world it was. I want to say it maybe when she did Tosca was the name of the program, but there's a particular world. She did Tosca in 2004. I know this because it was the last medal she won in the world championships 2004 tosca program it was beautiful holy shit is that the one 
one where he le- like he like lost his mind. Like he was literally like crying. He was weeping. I think that was in 2003 on her last World Championships, which is in Washington D.C. And she brought the house down. And I do think that he wept because okay. she brought the house because- down. And it was just so special because she had just won bronze in 2002 in the Olympics. And yes. I think a lot of people were like, oh, like writing her off. Know. Yes. And she was like, get out of my face. You know, and it was that stupid fucking groin injury in 2006 that took her out of Torino. And ultimately, Shizika Arakawa, who won gold in 2006, she didn't even do a triple triple. And Michelle was doing triple toe, triple toes. Now, did Arakawa warm up a triple Salkow triple loop? Yes, but she didn't do it in competition. Okay. So well, I'm just saying Michelle was in it. She was all up in the mix, had that groin not betrayed her. So get out of my face, Michelle Kwan forever. <laughs> but also, I'll tell you this speaking of this, you know, most recent Olympic drama. So I realized I'm actually writing some comedy about this right now, not that you asked, but I realized that I'm totally and completely all fucked up because of like NBC's Olympic packages all around like the women's team finals. Like I had so much anxiety that the Olympics this year were going to get canceled that I went back and watched every women's team final from 92 to 2016 every night of the week, the week before the Olympics started. My husband was beside himself because he already was bracing himself for two weeks. I was like, this is fucked up that you're starting like a week early. And I was like, we might not get it when it's supposed to start because it could be fucking canceled as the IOC staff pins and needles every day. I was so worried. And then I was like, oh my God, I can't believe that I'm willing for like the world trips this pandemic and a super spreader for some gymnastics, but I do and I feel it and I don't, I'm, I need it and whatever. So I realized that a five-year-old me in 92, a nine-year-old me in 96, you spend some gold medals on a seamless and you do some slow motion of some training, some slow motion of maybe an injury, a voiceover package of like the mom driving the daughter two hours to the gym every day. I literally literally have chills on my arms. Like, yes. So yes. When Carrie Strug, you know, did that on, or did her one and a half or usually one and a half on on an ankle. I cheered. I, I, it wasn't until Simone. Wait, wait, wait. There was like, come on. I I feel like I have a lot of conditioning from the nineties and I don't know how to take care of myself. It was a different time. It was a different time. But why do I still love my abuser? What's wrong with me? (laughs) Not like, but what it's worth. Tell me. Like, I know that everyone. I just wish that. I'm not trying to interrupt you on your own fucking podcast, but I just can't even got to say it. I just wish that that voiceover would have said, like, don't be xenophobic against, like, Russian girls and other girls because they're teenagers. Like, someday you're going to be 40 and you shouldn't be for everybody. And, like, I'm over here being 34, like, really, like, you know, when you were saying when the Russian girls fell and you didn't cheer for them because you want everybody to do their best? That wasn't my truth. My husband has a video of me when they fucking fell off beam where I was like, we're in this! We're in this! Come on! Yes, we got this! Come on! Like, I am a bad person when it comes to... I, 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 it, and it is all because of these packages. It's all because of... You turn on some lame music. It's true. And I'm like... I'm, and I turned into this frothing at the mouth patriot. I don't know what's But I'm trying to think. I think part of it also is that you're younger than me. And so by the age that you were like conscious of things and like of, of, of things in a different way, they had switched to this patriotism shit. When I was your age watching gymnastics in the like, so early nineties, like, like you were nine in 92. I was. No, no, no. I was five. I was, no, I was five in 92. Five. And I was glued. 12. And that's how I learned about what taping was because I was afraid I was going to fall asleep. And that's how I learned like how you tape something because I had to, like I was, right. I mean, this is you very- preserved. Yeah. Yes. 
But so I'm like 12 at that time. Mm. So I'm at a level of consciousness to be able to like take things in differently. And back then they were not, America was not the best. So we the packages for the first time in 92. And it was a big deal. The packages were about Leonid Arkayev having to transform this former uh, Soviet Union squad into a now fractured Russian squad. They were about... Sylvius, Danielle Sylvius and that Danielle, other Danielle, lady. Yeah, they were about Romania and and uh, what's his name? Oh my God, I can't even remember. I'm, I'm forgetting these names, but they were about... Like, I distinctly, I can tell you, I distinctly remember John Tesh doing a voiceover talking about Octavian Bellu because yes. what was happening was all of these com- uh, communist regimes were falling and they had these like amazing programs they had to like translate into now they didn't have like money for equipment and shit. And I remember like a video of Gina Gojian and Lavinia Milosevic and Simona Aminar doing cartwheels in, in a wheat field. No. And like, and they were like compelling you to say, to feel for these girls. Like they're, they don't have money, but they're about to come and do the damn thing. It wasn't until... Atlanta. Carly Patterson. Or was it Atlanta? Because it was that Atlanta. was like the team goal. It was Atlanta. Because like, that yeah. was really where I was like wishing, like I was like, that Svetlana Hortina with her gel. And it wasn't until, <laughs> and it wasn't literally until three weeks ago, three weeks ago, or however long the Olympics were when I watched all of them over and I was like, Svetlana Horkina was that bitch. A and beast. And I had to rewatch all the individual all-around finals from 2004. I didn't have the time. Or 2000, who says that? 2000. And the Great Vault scandal, which actually was 2004. Yes. Oh, my God. She got fucked over. I mean, now, I do think that yes. Carly probably would have won, but it would have been a whole lot closer. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Absolutely. And no, it was 2000. It was 2000. Get it together, Jonathan. Because Carly was 2004 and Svetlana went a clean all-around and finally got her all-around medal. 2000 was the ball and she didn't the end up Athens. in contention. Yes. And then 96, she was that lady on bars. I don't know who. I don't... I I, I can't remember. Because, you know, also, too, and those primetime coverage that you can find... Wait, on you're YouTube. saying who... who- I don't Who think Solana, I, no, she, she did, but I don't think she competed in the all around in 96. And if she did, she didn't medal in 96. Horkina. No. All around in 96 was won by Lilia Podkapaiva. I couldn't finish because of Dominique and Shannon having a bad all around. So I was I was crying in a puddle of nonsense. When Dominique fell on floor, I I was lost inconsolable. I was inconsolable. I, and I think I stopped watching. Wait, I was who like, won the silver? Did Gina Gojian win the silver? I'm going to have to Google it. I can't live. I can't live my life. I can't even remember. I mean, but to be honest, so, but I say all that to say, like at that time, like gymnastics, we didn't have the internet. So like you were watching, you were getting your gymnastics from like International Gymnast Magazine. That was really where you got your gymnastics from International Gymnast Magazine. And they would have these giant posters and it would be of all of these girls from all over the world. So my walls were covered with like Mohui Lan from China and Dina Kachekova. I'm sorry, I pulled it up. I'm sorry. Amanda, you're a genius and you more than made up for your slip of the tongue earlier. Yes, Gina Gojan won silver. Yes, Simona Aminar got third. And I just learned that Aminar... Someone Aminar who did, who invented the Aminar was all the way back in 96. What? Yes. She had such a long career. Yes. And she was doing that vault on the old vault. She was doing that two and a half on the old vault. 
And then that was all the whole like Radukan with her allergy pill in 2000 yes. and poor Aminar. Which, so that was all 2000 drama. Mm-hmm. Okay, wait. So did we ever get to your top three or did I literally systematically interrupt you on every single fucking gymnast? No, we did my top three and we did talk about Romania and all the good things. So I'm glad uh. that we got all of that out. But now I want to talk about you because you had mentioned on your podcast about just like the drama that you experienced with fame and social media. And like, it's, it's like a topic that I feel like keeps coming up in like all these different conversations I'm happening, I'm having, but it always ends up being like me talking about it. So I want to talk to you and hear about you. Like if you want to hear about like the full experience, then you, we already talked about it. So I'm not going to bring that back to you because it was difficult, but how did you get past that? Like, and did you even allow yourself to admit to yourself in the beginning, like, hey, like, this is not good for me? Because I think the part, I think it's like, we sometimes tell ourselves, like, it's just social media. Like, it's like, you're the problem, not social media. Like, why are you letting this, why are you letting these people who don't know you bother you? Why are you even letting them create drama? But it's really real. Well, yeah, I mean, it is. I think my, I have this friend, Alok. Do you know Alok? Do you follow Alok? No. You ever heard of Alok? So Alok is amazing. Alok is this gender non-conforming, non-binary um, poet. And they always say that they're a poet first, kind of in the way that you're a comedian, because like you can do so many different things through it. But I just, I love them so much. And they are one of my really close friends. And I've learned so many things from them. And I'm always like blown away by the compassion that Alok, because Alok will post these things like someone saying something horrific. And then Alok can just shine like such a light on them. And then we'll like post it. And it's always, I'm like, gosh, you're so good at talking to people. I just want to like, be like, go fuck yourself. And they'll be like, <laughs> Alok will be like, your issue isn't with my outfit or my body here or whatever. This is about you. And I hope that you find the love and the compassion oh, that you need oh. to like, just open. Like, and it's just such this beautiful thing that they're able to do. Whereas I'm like, go fuck yourself. Your hair is ratty. Your yeah. kids hate you. Get yeah. fucked. And then I'm like, <laughs> and then I'm like, oh my God, I can't do that. Cause I'm like a beacon of light and love and like people, you know, like I'm all sweet and stuff. But then, and then I'm like, oh my God, delete the comment. So, you know, there's that. And then also, ultimately, Alok also told me, Alok was the one who was like, turn your fucking DMs off for people who you don't message. And then Alok was like, I've been wondering since you had 1 million fucking followers when you were going to fucking turn that shit off. Like, I don't know why you're letting all these people have access to you. Like, stop letting all these strangers have access to you. And I was like, okay, fine. And he was like, they haven't (laughs) earned it. And I was like, you're so right. And then it became this like kind of, you know, it was like very, this like much like addiction, like just like I wanted to like look, I was compulsively looking for it. Why do we do that? Like what is, well, with I, the... I can speak that for myself. Cause when, you know, I was in my twenties, I was just like, you know, slutting it up all the time and I wasn't famous and I could just like, you know, slut it up on grinder. And, and I love, I'm very sex positive. I love being, it's like, but I could, you know, I was just, I was looking for the validation through the dick. And then when you stop doing that all the time, you're like, oh, but all these people are giving me this like nice validation about like non-sexy stuff, which is really fun. And Mm -hmm. that is kind of, I guess, harmless. And actually, well, it's not harmless. Like it felt really good, but it wasn't. And according to my therapist, it's your survival instinct and and it's like your threat perceptor because all the good stuff is like sweet, but that's not going to like end your career and like stop you from being able to like provide for your cats and like, you know, live your life and stuff. So we're always like looking for the threat. You're always scanning the horizon for that, like Mm -hmm. that tiger or that, you know, that thing that's going to come eat you and like take your family. Like when we were just, you know, foraging and stuff in the day. And so she was like, that's like your, it's your reptile brain. Like, you know, making sure that no cheetah or tiger or whoever 
comes and takes your stuff. And then my therapist was like, and for you, HIV positive person who's in like recovery from like, you know, drug addiction and sexual compulsivity, and you've been through all this stuff. Maybe the other shoe already has dropped. Maybe you don't always have to be worried that like some other really bad thing's going to happen and you can maybe like enjoy, like you don't always have to be worried that like something's going to like be really fucked up or like, but that's my trauma is talking. So what I did is I just had to like cut it off. And, you know, speaking to what you're talking about later about having a relationship, I think that that's actually been really one of the healing things about my husband, which still isn't like, it's still I'm like not used to saying it, but that's been one of the really healing things for How about, recent did you get married? We got married in June of 2005, but I didn't tell anyone about it until like New Year. Well, our family's new and like Wait, obviously June my of team. 2005? I don't know why I said 2005. I think it's because we were talking about gymnastics and 2005 is on the side from looking at gymnastics. Lol. 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's June 5th, 2020. Get my life together. I'm sorry. Oh, we we're talking okay, about okay, it's, okay. It's like I knew the year. It's just like you knew. It's like you say the wrong thing. Yeah, it's so processing a lot at one it's time. So, it's it, 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 like this. So it's June of 2020. We didn't tell anyone publicly until like New Year's Day of 2021. Because mm-hmm. we just wanted time to like obviously get used to being a married couple and have our own space. And it's just so much when you're disclosing so much about yourself publicly. But that has been one of the really healing things is that like, I don't need to look so much. It's just kind of crystallized what's important to me. And like my family's important to me. That relationship is really important to me. Us raising our animals who are our children are really important to me. Creating a safe space in order for me to be able to continue to do my work and help to destigmatize HIV, sexual compulsivity, drug addiction, help to continue to expose inequalities that I really want to work on for people at large, but not be so devastated by how people reflect on me in certain times that I'm unable to do the work. That's really important to me. So really, and how Alok said it, it's like I needed to really protect my space so that I can do the work that I want to do and trust that my team, if I do, because I also, it's like, it would be like, well, what if someone has like constructive feedback that I really need to hear and I should be able to, and my, it's like, I need to trust that like my friends and my family can provide we'll catch, that. Yeah. I don't need some, I don't need Karen in Ohio <laughs> to tell me, you know, why she it's doesn't think. It's always Karen in Ohio. But also I hate when it's someone from with it. Cause like there was this thing that happened last year before I turned my DMs off where this fucking kid was like, uh, like screenshot the Uber Eats ad and was like, don't you have enough money? Like, why do you like in my DMs? And it was one of those days where I had time today. And so I <laughs> responded in the DM, which was a huge mistake. And I was just like, you know what? For me, like, why was I, it a huge mistake? Because he ended up sc- screenshotting all of it and he was really pretty famous on Twitter. And so then he <gasps> was, you know, post all these screenshots. And then I had, you know, hundreds and thousands of young LGBTQ people telling me to die of AIDS, kill myself. You're a fucking neoliberal capitalistic pig. Wait, you had LGBTQ people saying this? Oh, yes. Like, like, just like you are a fucking capitalistic pig. You're a piece of shit. I knew that you were fucking trash when you endorsed Bernie. Go fuck yourself. Like a lot, like people want to bring up Elizabeth Warren. They want to bring up all sorts of shit. Cause I mean, and, and when I first got, you know, very well known in this public, I mean, there's lots of times where I would pop on Twitter and say some shit that I did not need to say. Ditto. And, Ditto. And, and and people will still come to at me for things I've said years ago that were that I've apologized of for treated, like whatever. But on that particular instance, this guy had like a pretty or this person, I can't remember what their gender identity is. And I don't want to like misgender someone, even if they were a fucking nightmare. And so in the message, I basically was like, you know what? 
basically I grew up on a cornfield next to a hog farm. It would have been very helpful for me to see people like me, gender nonconforming people like me next to fucking Simone Biles in a house, you know, next to your whoever and say, oh, look, people do, they can go succeed. They can be successful. They can be taken seriously, even if I'm being a comedian. And it's like, but honey, I got paid a lot more for this than you're ever going to fucking probably do. And so it is kind of cool. And I feel like it's for me, I felt, I didn't say this in the message. I was just like, it's a big deal. I want it to be able to create conversations for people who need it. And for me, this is an issue of representation. They were saying a lot of stuff about like prop 22 with Uber at the time. Like I, like I'd been doing this campaign for a really long time before these, this like happened. And so it just, that part was kind of unfortunate, but that was kind of where that person was coming from in addition to some other things, but ended up screenshotting it posting on their Twitter. And then I just got this deluge of like activists. Ooh, nice word. Deluge. Deluge of activists who wanted to smear my blood on the walls. And I think that actually like having crazy transphobic, like Trump supporting people want to smear your blood on the walls is like one thing. Cause it's like more par for the course. Yes. But having come from your own community, it just, it stings worse. It hurts worse. Um, this one time, this girl on Twitter said some of the meanest shit to me, but she was this like really like fierce, like trans lady. And I was like, oh. and she had this like GoFundMe for like some stuff she needed done. And I was like, I'm just going to pop on there and take care of her little GoFundMe. So I did it. And then, but I didn't say it publicly. I didn't. But then I like messaged her and I was like, I just want to let you know, I took care of that. And you know, people are still people. And like, just think about that before you tell someone to like go fuck themselves and like jump off a cliff. Did your therapist tell you that you didn't need to do that? Because if they didn't, I'm here to tell you. Well, no, she did. But then like, but then that person, I didn't really even need my therapist to because then that person immediately just said this, like all this crazy hateful shit and was like, well, thank you. But you're still this, like just all this stuff where I was like, oh, like sometimes people, even if you do want to help them and it is coming from a good place, they're just going to shit on you. It doesn't matter. It has nothing to do with you. they're not in a good place. Like they're not even in a good place. So it's like, I don't search myself on Twitter. That was in my phase of being addicted to searching myself on Twitter though. (laughs) So, (gasps) So because Ooh. which was before turning the mess so that was like a 2018 2019 thing so i was like oh what are the children saying and you don't want to do that but what was that about was that your ego that was saying like what are the children saying or do you think it was that reptilian brain it was the reptilian brain because i mean i it really when it became an issue at first where i noticed that it was happening was when my book came out because i was like oh my god what are people going to say about my hiv status what are people going to say about being a survivor of abuse like what are people going to be saying about it and there was a lot of support but actually that same week, this video came out from 2018. It was the first series of interviews that I had ever done with Queer Eye. And they just asked us these like off-the-cuff questions about politicians and like politician styles. And it was Hillary, it was Bernie, it was all these people. But when Bernie came up, Cuomo said something, and I which was fine, love him. He was just like, I never felt the burn. I was Team Hill Hill, and you know, same. And so then in 2016, 2016, we're talking 2016, stick with me. Mm-hmm. And so then I was like, look, could Ronald Reagan be bothered to say the word HIV AIDS? Uh no, but Correct. he knew how to put some goddamn gel in his hair and like get the fuck elected. And I just wish that on the Democratic side, we knew how to like get someone in there to make the good choices. Cause like I'm into Bernie's to his policies, but like I was so that, so basically I read his style 
and, and quoting this Ronald Reagan thing as a joke. I'm a comedian. I'm an HIV positive comedian. People don't know I'm HIV positive at the time. This is like February of 2018. So there's like layers to this that they don't know. So the week that my book comes out, that video started making the rounds on Twitter. And so people were like, you're making jokes. And so in and, and that video, like, and then when TikTok happened, Jesus, now the video just comes out like every eight weeks and there will be some person who's like, I'm going to take down JVN with this Bernie video. And I'm like, honey, I've been, that's 2019's news. But that's just the sort of thing where I'm just like, I don't want to like, I don't want to spend all my time like in this drama and in this like, uh, it just sucks. And I've apologized about the Bernie thing. Like I've apologized about that video because also really what I had to look for in my side of the street in that way. What was the apology to give for the Bernie thing? Because if you're a fan of mine, this is how I felt about it in my, in my heart. If you're a fan of mine and you didn't know where this video came from, why I was saying that, because the video clip is taken out of context. Okay. So if you didn't know and you never saw me say anything about it and you just see this video for the first time and you're like, wait, He's talking about HIV activism and awareness. And then he's just saying this thing about Reagan. Like, I don't know. Most people knew that it was a tongue in cheek thing taken out of like most people did know. But for the people whose feelings it did fucking hurt and felt like it did hurt their feelings and they weren't about it. If you're a fan of mine, like, I'm sorry if I really hurt. Like, I am sorry. So for that. Why was it hurt? Why would it hurt someone's feelings? Because they felt like I was coming for Bernie when he has been like being an activist for HIV AIDS policy for LGBTQ policy since like. You know what I need people to do? I need people to get over themselves. I need everybody to stop virtue signaling all the fucking time without any awareness or acknowledgement of nuance and context. You're in an audition for a show where you're expected to give quippy, real ass responses about style. That's what you're there to do. It's a private room. And ultimately, you're not saying things, I'm I'm assuming, but you're not saying things from a bad place. You're just saying them in a direct way. Like, and just you're put saying your pomade that with, in your hair. I just wanted him to put pomade in his like, hair so people can listen to his policy. And you are being a comedian. So it, by nature of being a comedian, I'm sure there is sarcasm in there. I'm sure there is hyperbole in there. I'm sure that there is um, embellishment. Well, that's hyperbole. But I'm sure that all of these things made it very clear. I'm just assuming, but I'm sure that it was clear that this is a comedy clip. You're not at the UN General Assembly saying this. <laughs> And that's the part that I just get so annoyed with people about is that everybody that does that type of shit, like shitting on you, like, how dare you say this? You hurt Bernie's feelings. I am a thousand percent sure Bernie watched that and was like, he's not wrong. (laughs) I don't like gel. It's never worked for me. Gel never, it never worked for me. It's not my thing. My my daughter is always, I don't know if he has a daughter, but my daughter is always telling me to put gel. I can imagine. I just, and so, the, the, but, but I just feel like all those people coming for you, they're not coming for you because they think that you're hurting Bernie's feelings and that he needs them to stand up for him. They're coming for you because it makes them feel like somebody to come for you, which is just ego. 
Like, and I don't like that we live in this space now where the idea of attacking people is so regular that I feel like there's this very blurred line between like who really should be shut the fuck down and who really was just saying some shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you're just saying some shit. Like, Kamala, Kamala needs to be shut the fuck down right now. Because she, or she needs to be set the fuck up to do something, actually, instead of just talking. Because I feel like she never does any actions. It's just like, I'm saying things that they told me to say. Da, 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 da. So when people are going hard at Kamala right now, like, I get it. She's an elected official. She's somebody that should be working for the people. I understand. People are doing the same thing about Biden. You're a comedian and a hairstylist. Get the fuck out of here. I'm 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 annoyed for you. Thank you. <laughs> I feel like you went through undue drama because people love fucking drama. Like I did, do you understand I went through 2 weeks of fucking drama because I said, "Oh, Will Smith is playing Richard Williams, Serena mm. Williams' father on a on a movie." And I was like, "Oh, the movie's about Richard Williams instead of Serena and Venus. And then I followed that up by saying, no, I mean, I just would have wanted to see a movie about Venus and Serena because like, I really am curious about like their sisterhood and their process. And as for Will Smith, I was like, you know, it's just weird to me that he, that this light-skinned man would be playing a dark-skinned man because that's been like such a topic of contention. People, I'm talking two weeks, two weeks in my DMs, like you bitch. Will Smith is an is a Oscar nominated actor. I'm like, who said anything about Will Smith's <laughs> acting? <laughs> like, but you're not allowed to have an opinion. You're not allowed to like even just say something that seems slightly like miscolored without people. A lot of people feeling like your character is now able to be thrown out to the wolves. I also think it's just like how you do. Like I like once I felt like I was like, you know. Like, I was like, oh, don't go on Twitter and go for someone because I know how it feels when that happens. Like, now if there's someone who really, like, does something where I have a personal relationship with them and I'm like, if it's really out of line, like, you just, it's like, Queen, you said this thing that, like, just really, like, hurt my feelings. Like, Do you call them in or do you call them out? No, in. Like, it's like, let's, let's. Like, on the side. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm definitely not saying, like, bitch, you need to in a text message. Because that's the other thing. All these people coming at you, like, if they were coming at you in a nasty way, I'm just like, so explain to me, you're upset at me because you feel like I was nasty about Bernie, but that somehow informs you to come and be nasty to me? Why, why, what makes you a good person now? If you're willing to, like, wish fucking death and destruction on me because you didn't like, I, no, sorry, that got got me riled up because I want, I I am, I've had to learn the lesson of calling people in instead of calling them out because to your point, it's like I would sometimes just say something, you know, like, and then I forget, like, oh, this is the world wide web. And when you're realizing <laughs> this is you have not a bigger platform, that's the other because like in 2018, like I just was like, I was used to having like 10 followers on Twitter. I wasn't <laughs> used to having like literally, like I've always just gone on Twitter and been like, yeah. And then, like, once I got more well known, I was like, "Oh, I can't do that the same way." So there yes. was like a, definitely like a learning curve. Like, I feel like it's a learning curve. It's taking me a long time, and I think, and to that end, I feel like I'm still on it. Like, I feel like I still have. You know, we were talking on my podcast about your journey, and and I, like, do I want to do this? And it's like, it's still. I mean, I started crying when you were talking about your stuff on my podcast. Like, it's still in there. Like that hurt and some of that, and like, and the trauma of 
becoming a public figure, even though like I'm, in some ways, like my dreams have come true and they have, and there's, I mean, I just like, I'm watching a hair care line. Like it's out, like I'm, I'm sitting in the house. Congratulations. Like, I received. Let me tell you. I saw your, it's a story. I don't know. Like the, the people put together quite a presentation. I received a crate of goodness from JVN's hair product line. And like the products are beautiful. Like they're the, the packaging, but then this, this, I had like a cornucopia of, of orchids. I mean, I came home, I wasn't even home. And when I came home, I was like, oh, and my, my partner said that the women who dropped it off were like disappointed because they thought they were going to meet me, I guess. And I oh. wasn't home and he went, and they were like, oh, is Amanda Sorry. here? And he was <laughs> like, no. Sorry. <laughs> like my bad. But it's such a beautiful, it's the story of it later. I definitely regret it. It's like so beautiful. But it's like a both and. I feel like my saying for this year is like, it's both and. Like, you know, dreams that go true and that's yeah. really excited. And also there is still some like growing pains and trauma. And like, it's still, I mean, I wrote a fucking book about it. Like my memoir is about like, if you knew the whole truth, would you still love me? If you knew like all my stuff. And so that was like me taking an opportunity to like, tell you my stuff. Um, and it's still like, we still, even though however grounded you are and however solid you are in your relationship with yourself, you see stuff enough or you hear it enough people test your boundaries enough, you do start, it gives you yes. that imposter syndrome. And you're like, am I, yes. am I like, is it bad? Am I bad? Did, should I have whatever? And so that I feel like is something I'm still kind of grappling with and like figuring out, like really making sure that I have integrity and I'm feeling like I'm standing on my two feet and I'm making decisions that I'm proud of. And I feel like I'm there, but it's taken a long time where I feel like I really silenced myself because I was so afraid of like, of, of fucking up and saying the wrong thing. And getting blowback. And so I just, there was a long time in there where I just like, I felt like I really shrunk. And that's the part, what I mean that I said, I'm so grappling, like I'm afraid to have people tell me like, you know, die of AIDS or like, you know, as an HIV positive person that like doesn't feel good to have that be someone's first thing that they say, which happens kind of more than it should. Or like, you know, just saying like, I hope your cat dies, drown your, or like just, just crazy shit where you're like, I don't want to hear it. And so when you, it takes, it takes a certain level of practice to be able to literally like, look at that. And instead of internalizing it, look at it and be like, Oh, I feel sorry for them. Cause like anybody who would say anything like this, like has some shit in them that they, are clearly not dealing with. And but that's not me. what makes me depressed as much. It makes me actually sad to my core. It's that there are a consortium of yes. folks who will think these types of things about queer, non-binary, that you would think that, some, that this is how you think of people living with HIV, that this is how you think of queer people, that this is how you think that you can, like, that there is this sort of thing in the world is like, because that's what I'm working so hard to, like, humanize and so when there's people that are just so showing you like that work isn't getting through to me and i'm gonna abuse you in the process that's like <laughs> i need to go hold my cat and then i get up the next day and it's fine and i'm like you know and then i find my voice again and gaga told me never let anybody dig your shine not personally but on that song so you know <laughs> I, I was about to ask tell me about working with gaga never, never, just in the song i mean we do have the same birthday which is literally true like a brother okay. on march 20th isn't that kind of weird I really love Gaga and I really love you. And I really love just like your willingness to be open and vulnerable. And I think, you know, that's also the reason why like you were such a breakout 
person on Queer Eye, you know, because when someone demonstrates that, then it makes the other person feel like they can do that. And that is the kind of reality TV that we really actually need um, is reality TV that actually is real in the sense of encouraging folks to be real with themselves and with their shortcomings and with their assets. I think that both of them, because I think there's a lot of work that we talk about in terms of everyone like pointing out their blind spots and their flaws and like, are you a drama queen? How do you handle? But it's also like acknowledge like, your fucking dopeness and you shouldn't have to feel shameful about acknowledging your dopeness and like a lot acknowledging like the things that you were blessed with and not like it's not like you need to book ticket on it and you know that's not like the check that you write that says why I this is why I deserve that but I had someone tell me the other day they were just like I said something I was like I'm not saying I'm better than them and they were like but you are <laughs> and I was like and I was talking about somebody who just doesn't come from a place of integrity and I was like, it's not that bad. And my friend was like, but you are though. Like you are better than them. Like you make an effort to be. Like you strive on a regular basis to come from a place of goodness and kindness and compassion. And that is better than someone not doing that. So you can own that. And I was like, yes, I will own that. I will own that. But I wish people who say, I don't do drama. I wish they owned that anyone who says I don't do drama deals completely in drama. Like I had a meeting with a manager, like, and a literary manager or literary agent. And like, we had a follow-up call and she was like, well, you know, I did some research about you and I asked around and I just want you to know, I don't do drama. And I was like, well, I don't know who you talk to, uh, but but I know who you're not working with anymore. Uh, Thanks for the follow-up call. Bye. I literally tried to get off the phone at least three times in a very kind way. And like, she wouldn't let it happen. I was like, you know what? I think it's best that I just exit the phone call. And she's like, no, I just want to make it clear, you know, that I've had conversations with people who, you know, have spoken about you. And I was like, you know what? I just, this is not helpful to to either of us. And this is the, the drama that you don't do, you're doing. <laughs> like, you're doing. And I've had to work really hard to learn how to diffuse drama as it's happening without getting like caught in the tornado of someone else's drama. So like your friend Elok is clearly a master, like ninja master at that. And it's a work in progress, even in my relationship, right? Because like, if you are in a partnership with somebody and you're with them all the fucking time, like no one is just like the same level of energy all the time. Like people have dips throughout the day. You might have like a good mood. You might have like a bad mood or whatever. And it can be really roller coastery if you're going to like respond like every time. And so, you know, I've had to learn how to be like, oh, oh, look, he's got a little attitude. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go about my day. <laughs> like, and it wasn't like that in the beginning. It was like, why you have an attitude? What was it, you know? And and I think what you just pointed out with the lizard brain of like protecting your perimeter, I really think that's part of what that is. It's like, why do you have an attitude? Like, am I the problem? How do I fix the problem? What's the problem? You know? And it's like, now we're, now we have a problem. <laughs> he had an attitude, but now we have a problem. That also kind of reminds me of like, you know, that concept of like your window of tolerance. Like sometimes, you know, <laughs> like with getting in someone else's drama, whether it's like professionally or 
your person, whatever relationship. Sometimes I'm down here and my window (laughs) of tolerance is up here and I can deal with it just fine. Mm -hmm. And I can be really even keeled. What I am really learning now is like how to not get up past that window of tolerance. That's when I do turn into Aaron Brockovich. I'll be like, you know what, Miss Perez? Before you come back with some other fucking bullshit offer, I want you to think about how much your ovaries are worth to you. And you, Mr. Miller, how much is your spine worth to you? And whatever that number is, times it by four. And anything less than that is a waste of our fucking time! Uh, Which is not the exact quote from Aaron Brockovich, but it's something... Around there, um, I have to watch Aaron Brockovich like within the next week. Like I have to. Have you? You've not not I've seen, seen it. I've seen it, not... but I haven't seen it in so long. Like I saw it There's when it came out. So many genius one-liners in this movie. Really? Like, her, I don't want to like oversell it and then have you be like, this movie fucking sucks because also <laughs> I was like 11 and it was like 2000 and it was like really <laughs> major for me. Because I was like, fuck pg e but this hexavalent chromium. I've never stopped talking about it. I've never stopped thinking about it. I've talked to you about it. I literally, my producer for my podcast, I literally was responding to her in only Aaron Brockovich gifts like today. <laughs> and also I've interviewed the real Aaron Brockovich twice. Like I'm twice twice on getting curious. Like I'm obsessed with her obsessed with her. And also just to give you a heads up, um, I do have a new gymnastics routine. That's a minute and 30 seconds long. That's going to be in my new comedy tour. Um, that I do need you to see like before we can't debut it to the world. You could debut like a, 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 a snippet, if you will. Uh, but I am using Grace McCallum's floor music from this year. I thought okay. you should know. Okay. I really was going through it. I typically do something from Ali Raisman. Um, oh, that okay. was, I did, I did. Um, it turns out it was like a Russian naval song from 2016. Okay. So I was definitely doing like <laughs> a Russian naval song for all of my performances and it worked. <laughs> Um, this year it's not it's I do Grace McCallum's but it's it's really working I'm getting my skills back I don't know if you've ever had to like relearn wait are you gonna have a floor on stage I have a a tumble track that I travel with I have a proper floor routine my 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 stand-up show opens with I come out in a USA leotard and I do a full-on proper like choreographed minute and a half then I do like five minutes like welcome the crowd and then I like bring on my opener and then they open and like, while well, I run back, de-sweat, put my hair up, right, like right, right. my shit, fix my tuck and then go back out. Um, and so I that's- love that as a, as a, even just as a order of events. I mean, it's traditionally, it's like you have your opener and then you come out, but I love that you like tease them with some hilariousness. Just a, just a little bit. Yeah. Just a little just bit. A little I was snatch. drunk on stage. I was, I was too Stella Artois in, which is one past my limit on stage in Portland, <laughs> this fateful night in 2019. And as a gymnast, I'm sure you know what this is like. Um, except for just to be clear, you're like a seriously good gymnast. I'm six <laughs> feet, you. I'm six foot one. I desperately wanted to be able to do backwards tumbling my whole life. Could not do it. I was in gymnastics. My coach literally was like, oh, "Wait!" And this brings us back to the beginning. You never said why you how you became oh, obsessed yeah. with gymnastics. So I, I, it was the '92 Olympics. Actually, to be clear, it's the '91 World Championships. Mm. Kim's a mess goal. I was four. Yeah. I didn't totally understand, but that's when I was like wrapping my head around it. '92, I understood. After that, it was like game on. I, I was like always looking at like the guide channel in the '90s that like had the TV yes. show. I would literally every Saturday and Sunday because I didn't understand like the world, like a year long calendar. <laughs> every Saturday and Sunday, I would look 
on every channel because I didn't understand like what the channels were, but gymnastics. And that's how I would find it. Or figure skating, obviously. So that's how I got obsessed. And then I took lessons and I really wanted to learn, but I was a really soft, cute little pudgy baby. Like I really just, I I used to call my core the abyss because I didn't know how to squeeze it. Like I didn't know how to like do, I just would like, I don't understand. I didn't know how to do it. No one taught me. And so I remember I would try to do back handsprings and I would just like flail. And my little coach was like, you're not ready. Like you should do backward rolls, but all the other kids could do back handsprings. And I was just, I felt like I was just this chunky kid and I was never going to get it. And I was too scared to do back handsprings. And I could do like front flips on the diving board, but I could, I just had this mental block. I had the twisties Uh, before I even knew what the twisties were, except for I couldn't (laughs) twist. I was just going backwards. I just had this like fear of going backwards. And so then I, I actually wrote like one of my chapters in my memoir over the top is about this, but I finally got over the fear of going backwards. And then I, I tried out for cheer. And so I was in eighth grade and this girl was like, oh. try out for cheer. And I was like, okay, fine. Like I'll do it. Like, oh, dare me. I'll do it. <laughs> um, but then I totally made it. And then I realized like the social refuge that these girls provided me as like this young queer kid in these cornfields. And actually Karama was asking me, he was like, why are you such like an advocate? Why do you speak about why do you talk so much about like, why, like, why do you talk so much about like racial equality? Like, why do you love, like he, and I, I've never been asked like, why do you love black women so much? And he was just like, why do you love black women so much? And I was like, I think for me, it like comes back. It like all comes back to like cheer. And like those girls, they like took me under their wing and they were like, you will not fucking talk to him like that. And like, they created this like safe mm-hmm. space where like we were both othered in some way. Yes. Yes. And they, and I'm actually just getting so many chills about it. Cause like those relationships were so formative and transformative for me. Yeah. And it's more than just like those cheer relationships. There was more to it than that, but that was a huge part of it. Um, so then when I was, you know, I stopped cheering in college and then I, once I started doing stand up comedy, I was on this stage. It was the two stellar toiles in. We're coming back to how I got back into it now. And I, did that thing once a year where I could, where I would see if I could still do a standing back handspring. It usually happened on like a concrete parking lot outside of a bar, you know, annually. This is what I yes, would do. I would just throw yes, it. Yes. Um, and I was on stage and I was like, y'all are here. Fuck it. I'm going to put this microphone down. There was like 3000 people. I was like, I'm going to just do a standing back handspring. And I did it. And it was in that moment that it occurred to me, you dumb bitch, you have a captive audience. They're not going to leave if you open this show with the gymnastics routine. Like, why aren't you training a gymnastics routine? Like, this is your chance to heal your inner six-year-old that desperately wanted his dad to watch their routines and you couldn't tumble. But now I can tumble. So now I'm just out here healing my inner child while entertaining the the people. Um, And now I have my new routine. It's like really good. And I, but also like, I, I didn't contract COVID-19. I definitely got like COVID-60 because I gained 60 pounds in the pandemic. I like didn't realize it until I went to the doctor. (laughs) And I was like, I was like, I know that I'm in t-shirt dresses and none of my jeans fit. It's probably like 20 pounds, right? Like it's not that bad or anything. And then I weighed myself and I was like, I didn't know. Um, So now getting all my skills back, it's just been like by standing tuck. uh, You don't, you're not. That's what I want to get back. I want a standing back back. So today, after being back at the gym for three weeks, and I've really just been like working really hard. I've been like lifting with my trainer. I'm like doing all my, I'm literally doing twice, two a days. So I can like get my conditioning wow. back and get it together. Cause I mean, I used to, so look what, look at what happened today. Not on the rod floor, not on all, no spot all by myself. Oh my I got, God. Uh, I got a bit of, uh, uh, I'm uh, so uh, proud of you. She's, 
back. Look. Look at that. That's uh, like impressive uh, AF. I yes. got me sitting back, back. Uh, That's fucking major. Uh, oh I need to go to the gym. I need to go to we, the gym. We were going to go in Game of Thrones. We have to. And I don't know if you ever want to like come to Austin. I know it's like kind of far, but like I have the best gymnastics place here. It's so convenient. We can go in like anytime before nine we can go tumble i just i need to see her two and a half and also i know i feel like we're coming to our time but and but tell me whenever we're done because i can go a little longer but i just want to say what is it like to be able to just do a two and a half on your trampoline well i will tell you so when i was younger and i was in gymnastics and i had my trampoline i the most i could do on my trampoline at home like like a home trampoline was a double and i always had to work really hard to do it. Now I could do a double on floor. I could, I could do a double full on floor and I could do a two and a half on floor. But for some reason, my home trampoline, I could not like consistently just do a double, but at the trampoline at the gym, you know, they had like a fancier trampoline. I could do a full in, I could do a full in double back on, on the trampoline at the gym. And like when I, cause I had like stress fractures in my wrist. And so I could just only do trampolines at one point in time. I had, I had stress fractures in my left wrist. And so I would do everything on one hand, but then from doing everything on one hand, I got stress fractures in my right wrist. And so then I ended up, (laughs) I ended up, I couldn't do everything on my left hand because I just wasn't ambidextrous to that level. So then I was end up keeping my skills on the trampoline. So I'd be doing double backs and full ends and my twists. I could do a triple, I could do a three and a half twist on the trampoline at that gym. Okay, but, Michaela Maroney, because she had a three and a half on floor. But anyway, she did have a three and a half. And we didn't even talk about that drama because the pit of despair that I feel every time I think about what the gymnasts have gone through with Larry Nasser and then the subsequent dismissal of their case by these fucking bullshit ass FBI agents is like endless. Like I literally have to stop myself because I, I'm like, you didn't even experience this trauma and you are just internalizing it like the empath you are in such a way that you'll drive yourself to a depression. So I have to like keep a certain level of distance from it because it is so immensely disturbing to me that this happened to these young women and how many of them it happened to and that it was completely preventable completely like but if you can't you can't tell me the Corollis didn't know you can't tell me that the coaches that were there maybe they didn't know explicitly but that they they had an inkling they had an idea and the FBI agents knew one was completely and I would say the Corollis yeah the Corollis had they to know. had to know. And, also, and I wouldn't think that that worth, only was in, I mean, they were obviously years in. years back. Yeah. Years back. And ultimately, yeah. we all know a fucking creep, right? Like, even when you look at him, you're like, well, this is a creepy guy, you know? And so I just think that everybody had become so internalized about, like, winning. And it was just, it got, it just got so out of hand. And I'm so... So I just my love for those girls and their courage is beyond anything I can even say. I but, feel like that's a both. I feel like what you're describing there, it's like a both and though. Like I can be both enraged and furious, and I can dip into that and sit with that and make and actually do um take formative action with like yes. who we're working to elect and like who and like yes. the systems that we're trying to, and also still. I will not not celebrate these women, their achievements, their past, like their like because I feel like. we still love this sport. I feel like a lot of these athletes still in some way love this sport. And so like, I just, I feel like both can exist. And and I say this in my book, like your grief and your trauma doesn't have to invalidate 
if you experience joy. Because some of my worst mm-hmm. shit lives right next to some of my yeah. like best best stuff. And I'm not going to let my best stuff be taken from me because there was something that like was bookmarked or was really hard or difficult that lived like around it. Like you still get to celebrate what a fucking amazing person and athlete and just all around person that you are. So yes. So we have a segment on the show called The Script where we basically give our audience the supplementary materials that they can check out that help support just the conversation we're having. So one, I know that everybody got to go watch Aaron Brockovich. That's a fact. Are there any books, any movies, any accounts you follow or anything that you feel supports? One, like your path to dealing with your drama or two, just like let people know more about JVN besides, of course, following well, obviously me and then like JV and hair and like curious to JVN because those are like the things where you can find me. But things that are just like bringing me straight up joy that I'm like obsessed with right now. Um, Tommy underscore Doe, like D-O, but I'm pretty sure it's Doe. So fucking funny. Was a competitive figure skater, then did the ice capades. But now he's just this like hilarious comedian who like literally is so fucking funny. I Like undercover rising like jvn will be tommy doe and like but different and like like he's coming up like you will know his name i think his his account i think is so fucking funny um i don't know where i just i was thinking about him i like look forward to looking my, at my instagram to see like if he's posted something um but and but they're already listening to your podcast uh you're someone who is very much up in there for me for oh, instagram wow, as well um yeah i also was like much? I, oh yeah, books. I write, I've, I've been writing, um, writing a lot since I started really? writing. I, since That's I started so- writing, I can't stop. Like I okay. cannot stop writing. Um, and I really feel like now, ever since I did start writing, I almost, I read the news a lot. I read the news like a lot. Okay. Um, but when it comes to reading books, I'm kind of this creative type where like, I don't want to get ideas yeah. or swayed or mm-hmm. like, I don't even want to know what other people are doing mm-hmm. because I just want to focus on like w- the story and the things that I'm trying to do. Yes. Um, so I, w- and I actually, it's weird. Cause like I used to be such a big reader. I've read like everything Maya Angelou's ever written. I love Helen wow. Fielding. I love um, Bridget Jones diary. I love um, Elizabeth Gilbert. I love, uh, there's so many, I, I love Brene Brown. I've read like all of her work. Well, you mentioned Brene Brown in terms of like helping you with identifying like ways to not let your trauma and drama yeah, can you talk about your trauma without becoming your trauma? So her work has done a lot of work for me. And Brene has she has the she has a like a special of sorts on Netflix, right? Yep, she has that, and she also has her podcast, um, which is called Daring Greatly. I think that's her podcast, mm-hmm. and her last book was called Daring Greatly. But she has this incredible talk on TED Talk about vulnerability and about the connection between vulnerability yes. and happiness. Yes. And that that changed my life in 2012. And I'm quoting her all the fucking time. <laughs> I quote her in Queer Eye. I quote her all the fucking time because that talk, because you're happy, your ability to be happiness in the world is directly related to how vulnerable you're willing to be. Because if mm. you're if you are not willing to be vulnerable, if you are keeping everything like, cause it, it, you can't selectively numb your feelings. If you're numbing your joy, if you're, if you're numbing your pain, oh. if you're numbing, like you're numbing all of it, you're going to numb so your, if you're joy, numbing your, your pain. You're also numbing your joy. Exactly. 
Ooh, exactly. That's a concept like a mofo. I know people in the car right now just went, ooh, I know there were some screw faces listening to this podcast just now. Because <laughs> that's, you can't selectively numb your feelings. I can promise you that there are many folks who are like, that's not true. But to your point. As someone who smokes weed like daily, I would say it is. It's true. You really can't. And I think even some of my accomplishments and some of the career highs that I've had, I can't even feel that because I am, I numb, I'm a number. Like sometimes I feel like I can't really sit with the full, all of the, all of it. Cause I feel like I would just like, yeah. like, I feel like I would just combust, but I know that I wouldn't. That's just a part that's fearful that I would. I know that I am strong enough too, but that's, that's kind of my new frontier of like my 34 year old self. I was I'm like, say, that's the journey. That's my new frontier. Yeah. You got time. As a four-year-old, I will tell you, you got time. You got time. <laughs> I, what, so I guess I just, I guess I didn't realize that, because you, your skin, I mean, this like one of the celebrations of like being a beautiful black woman, honey, like you'll just look 24 for the rest of your day. <laughs> oh, my last question too, because um, I didn't get to ask in mine. Who, what, where, when, why this top? This top is so cute. It is so bright. The way that it fits you when you stood up. Yeah, I put this top on for you. I was screaming when you stood up to go get your door earlier. I and then, but then I realized you couldn't. Who made this top? I put this top on for you. This is a random top that I saw on Urban Flipping Outfitters, and it was one of these tops where you're like, <sighs> that's not like your style, but it's so fun. It has like. Peace signs. Peace signs. And then this like random neon. And anyone who knows me knows I love a neon. But I literally put, I was like, this is for JVN. I love the energy from it so much. Neon pants. And a little bit of midriff too, which also for me just like always completes a look for me. I just need like, oh, give me like a little bit of midriff, please. Oh my God. uh... So yes, I feel fabulous that you took notice because this literally was for you. <laughs> yes. I mean, how could I not? It's so fucking cute. So fucking chic. I'm obsessed. Ah, so I love you so much, Amanda. Tell obsessed, me. Um, for those who want to get more obsessed with the JVN experience, what do they need to get? Where do they need to see you? Where do they need to follow, et cetera? Yes. So I am gonna... I will be doing some tour stuff coming up later in the year and next year, uh, you know, Miss Rona fucking willing. Actually, I'm not going to gender Rona as the female because it's not happening on my watch. <laughs> I don't know why I fucking said that. Uh, if Rona willing, okay, uh, they hopefully I'll be touring a lot to so look for that out. And then Queer Eye should be coming out sometime. And I have I also have some like really exciting projects that I literally just have not been able to talk about. Um, and I, I still can't, it. but I've been working on them so much and so hard. So just, just, if Keep you think that someone hasn't been that. posting stuff, maybe it's because they've been working a lot on some yeah. fun stuff. So that will be, so just, just keep looking out. Just JVN, you'll, you'll see it. The last dose. Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad we did this. And just like I agreed to do a part two for you, please do a part two for please. me. Please. <laughs> And I hope that we satiated you guys's, um, I know there's a lot of you all that like me are obsessed with gymnastics and you have no one to talk to. So I hope that you got uh, your appetite wet by listening to our spirited conversation. And there's just so much more that we can talk about in that space. But you know, JVN, keep growing, keep shining. And I think it's always dope to like meet people in this business and then see them grow and then also see 
them like not just elevate as their careers, but like elevate as people and still be grounded and be able to like just have a laugh and see the real things because honey, that's not the case with everybody. So kudos to you. Oh, kudos to you. I love you so much. Thanks for having me on your podcast. You too, babe. A podcast network.